What's up, everybody? It's Brad and Andrew from Auto Off Topic. The coloring contest is back and now much improved thanks to super listener Frank Eck. The contest is simple. Complete one of the pages of the coloring book found on our Facebook page or the Auto Off Topic coloring contest Facebook page in any of two mediums, digital using any computer program or analog, be it colored pencil, marker, crayon, watercolor, however you choose. One entry counted per medium per person. Each individual can have a total of two entries, one per format. There will also be two age groups, age 15 and below and ages 16 on up. Links to the coloring book pages can be found on our Facebook page and the Facebook page for the coloring contest. Electronic entries, including scanned entries, can be sent to us via email, autooftopicpodcast at gmail.com. Paper copies can be sent by snail mail to autooftopicpodcast contest, 83 Lakeshore Drive, Georgetown, Massachusetts, 01833. Note, all hard copies received will not be returned, period. The contest runs through November 30th. The companies and owners groups donating prizes are Mitsubishi Motors North America, Adventure Driven Design, Forced Performance, Palladian Trucks, Northeast Mitsubishi 4x4, Mitsubishi Montero Owners Group of the USA, Florida Mitsubishi 4x4, and Mitsu Nation Facebook Group. Please enjoy this free contest, and don't forget, entries must be postmarked by November 30th, 2017. Good luck. And go. Welcome to episode 58 of Auto Off Topic. I'm Brad. And I'm your other host, Andrew. What's going on, Brad? Not much. Yourself? Not too much. I hear you cracking a beer over there. What are you drinking tonight, Andrew? I got us some uh, Bentwater Boars. Bentwater is a local brewery. Mm-hmm. Town next door, Lynn, Massachusetts. Yep. And Boris is their Halloween brew or I October guess you call brew? it October yeah. Halloween brew. It's a it, peanut butter chocolate porter. It's absolutely delicious. It is. It's if like you, Reese's peanut butter cup. Yes, alcoholic Reese's peanut butter cup. If you are local and can get to Lynn or a liquor store that carries the Lynn beer, it's uh, definitely worth it. We are on like our third or fourth six pack, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> between we the two there. of us. Plus, yeah, plus, uh, yeah. Plus, we went there and had it straight from the tap too, and it was delicious. Oh yeah. So, yeah, they have a little. Um, a tasting room tasting in room, their yeah. brewery. Oh, so not, good. Not so, sponsored so good. by Bentwater this week, just no. promoting a good local business. No, but actually they are, uh, I guess, the our friends Z28, their practice space is like right around the corner from there. So. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess they go they go there quite often. Z28, the band that you just heard in our intro. Yes. Another good local thing you should check out. They play in Salem quite often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they play in at Koto next month. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Let's oh, go again. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go again. Absolutely. Anyway, so what do we want? Hey, uh, Ollie is here, too. Ollie, he's, the uh, dog, is upset that I'm not petting his head for 10 seconds. He's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Ollie. Uh, Ollie also made an appearance on the Crank Journal podcast yes, he with did. you. Yes, I did. <laughs> so uh, if you're into podcasts, which you probably are because you're listening to us and you're looking for another podcast to listen to, because maybe you're like me and you have an hour commute each way. Yeah, you got a lot to catch up on. I uh, I burned through podcasts pretty fast. Uh, yes, I was on uh, the last episode of Crank Journal. It was pretty long. It went like... It co- did. It went a couple hours, but it went pretty smooth the whole time, so it wasn't a big deal. You guys... But, uh, we talked about Mitsubishi's, obviously. That's why they had me on. A lot of Mitsubishi's. Uh, and some other stuff, too. There was uh, some other stuff. We talked, uh, I think, Thunderbirds for a minute or two. That was... 
interesting topic. Just listen to it. Yeah, it's good. good. It's a good. It's a good episode. And there's some other good episodes on there too. Oh yeah, why don't you say my episode? I listen all to the, the episodes. Again. Yeah, I listened <laughs> to the one with the guy Dan. I can't remember his last name from the Packard Museum mm-hmm. curator. That was a really yeah. good episode. Yeah, he's really cool. From what I've heard of him on podcasts, and yep. seen on Instagram. So he's a young guy that curates a car for old people, hey. which is awesome. Whatever. No, it's really cool. I was, I've always been a Packard fan. As we discussed on a previous podcast, what car brand would you like to bring back? And I said Packard. Mm-hmm. So I've always been a Packard fan. So anyway, speaking of answering questions and that previous episode, what is tonight's episode, Andrew? We're going to do listener questions because we and we got enough. We're just going to skip Project Car updates, get right into questions. Yeah, we'll start Project uh, Car updates next episode we, for Tuesday. I mean, this is super cool. We're Definitely appreciate all these questions. Yeah, we got tons of questions tonight. Really like listener interaction and hearing from everyone that listens. Uh, It's just super fun. So thanks for doing that. And uh, we'll jump right in. Want me to read the first one? Sure, go ahead. So this is uh, Eric Simpson. He says, which root beer is best root beer? Uh, Obvious answer is uh, 1980 Dodge Colt Brown root beer. Okay. All right. I, I thought it was talking about... Uh, sodas? I'm sure that's what he's actually talking about because I actually asked the question on the site tonight and I just said ridiculous questions, whatever kind of questions okay. comes up. So I kind of like Not Your Father's Root Beer, that alcoholic stuff, the hard root beer craze. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, that was the first one to come out, really. Really, that, that got big anyway. And then uh, Jones Soda Yep, was really good for a while. Oh, and then we have local stuff. It's like Mercury. Mercury Brewing yeah. is part of Ipswich Brewing. Yeah. And they do a root beer. It's pretty good. Honestly, a lot of, you know... It, you know, it is micro-brewed. Yeah, micro-brewed. What, what do I call it? Micro-brewed root yeah, beer? Yeah. Like soda? Yeah, micro-brewed. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of those places around here. Much like beer snobs. Apparently, we're also root beer snobs. Soda snobs? Yeah. Whatever. I like fancy sodas. Yeah, I don't really drink soda very often, so I'm not no. going to buy a six-pack of A&W. I like ginger beer. Yeah, ginger but beer. But mostly because I like to make dark and stories. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> or Moscow mules. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'll go along with the Jones soda as far as an easy to get one. And then if you're local to here, the Mercury Brewing root yep. beer is really good. Uh, and then he also says, uh, I bought a 1978 Ford LTT station wagon, which makes a lot of sense since I definitely wanted a small, sporty, fun vintage import as my next car. Uh, I'm very bad impulse control. However, it's stock, rust-free, low mileage, blank slate. What should I do with it? I am okay with this car because... Is it a Woody? Of it? It's I'm not a Woody. Oh, okay. It's a big blue wagon. It's about... 100 feet long. It has the tailgate that opens both down or to the to left. The side. Yeah. Um, and it's a big V8 full-frame wagon. So this wagon can be used to tow your vintage import or small sporty fun car that you buy in the future. Oh, and it fits. It's like you would have used this to tow like your MG to a track day exactly. in 1978. Exactly. So what I would do is I would pretty much leave it as is, unless you want to make a Woody out of it. I fully support that. I might do like a fuel injection conversion to like the carb. You know, you put the throttle body on there. Yep. Well, they make the ones now that are plug and play. Like yeah. Holly, Holly makes the EFI yeah. that looks like a carburetor. Yeah. Make it run a little better. You'll, you'll get slightly better fuel mileage. Yeah, get rid of, the, get rid of the, car, the carburetor and the points and just do electronic ignition and uh, fuel injection yep. setup. I think that's probably the best plan. You're probably right. Um, and I would just do like a trans cooler if it doesn't have one already and a trailer hitch and use it to drag stuff around with. Yeah, get that's, something. That's what I would do. Maybe cool. a cool set of wheels on it or something. Set of torque thrusts or Krager SSs or I don't know something 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 seventies. 
they'll go along with the look of the wagon. Yeah. And I guess it's a 78, so you could probably... Yeah, but it looks... Yeah, but you could eliminate some emissions equipment, too. Yeah, I think he lives in New Jersey. I mean, I'm not saying what you can do and what you can't do, but you know what you can do. Auto off-topic does not recommend removal of emissions equipment. <laughs> Take it all off. <laughs> It's not a daily driven car. It's fine. It's not, you know, if we, obviously we want you to keep your emissions equipment on your daily driven cars because we do like the environment. But on a car you drive every once in a while, seasonally, it's not the end of the world. Dan Downey says, are you champion of the ninjas? Sorry, I've been listening to the Camden Tubbed. Uh, we are not. Camden Tubbed would be because they use that as their intro song. Um, then he says, just ordered a custom shifter from a rando company in Poland. They seem legit. But you never know. I assume that's for his BMW 2002. Must be. Um, he says, what's your best take a chance on eBay or overnight parts from Columbia story? Do you have a story for him? Uh, back in the day, I found my auto power roll bar for the Talon. Super cheap on eBay. For okay. like 250 bucks when that's they were over 300. Roll bar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been at eBay since like 2003. Back when it was good. Yeah, you could really get deals. Uh, it's a little harder now. You got to really look around. But I buy a ton of stuff on eBay. Always buying used parts because yeah, not used, like generic cheap Chinese parts, but used parts. Yeah, I mean, if you can find a good used OEM part, I'll always take that over a generic Chinese part. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, and it depends. I, then sometimes you do find good aftermarket stuff. So sometimes uh, I've had good luck with that too, though. I would guess my best story is when I bought a set of wheels from Japan without any knowledge of how this system worked. That was from, like, Bayou, though, or something, right? It was, and I'm not, you know, so there was a little bit less risk because I was using a, a buying agent, but I had no idea how to use a buying agent. And I had no idea what shipping was going to cost. I had no idea what any of it was going to be. So mm-hmm. I just took a chance, ordered the wheels. They were... Fortran is the name of the company. They're a legit JDM wheel company. Mm-hmm. Um, Fortran? Fortran, not Fortran. No. <laughs> yes. They have hentai stickers all over them. I don't know what happened. Um, no, it's uh, Fortran, F-O-R-T-R-A-N, and the model is the Drag-1. Um, little 13-inch wheels. They weren't real big. They didn't cost a ton of money, but I had no idea what shipping was going to cost. So I was afraid that my you know, $400 wheel purchase was going to wind up costing me $1,300 to get them here. Yep. But it cost, they charged $90 for each set of two wheels to ship them. That's not bad. And they were here in two days from when I bought yep. them. So it, they literally put them on an airplane and shipped them here for $180. So I went into the set of wheels for less than 500 bucks. I just got my, the the replacement tail lamp was used for the Dewey I got that off eBay. Okay. And that was uh, inexpensive. But I had to really look around because some of them were listed for like over $100. Mm-hmm. And then I finally found one that was in good shape for under $100, but it wasn't immediately coming up in searches. It was kind of weird. I had to really dig for it. it or something? Yeah, I don't know. And then, like what you did, I bought the wheels that are on the 99 Montero. Oh, that's right. Too. From Japan. Yep. But I actually bought two sets. Right. And one set is somewhere in Japan still because I never paid to ship them because they, were t- they wanted too much money to ship. Or, no, it was weird. One set, they were like, cool, we can ship this. And it was like 200 bucks to ship four wheels. Which isn't bad. That I paid 200 bucks for. So I was like, all right, cool. And then I get this other set of wheels that are at their warehouse. You Basically what happens with Bai-E is that you you search Yahoo Auctions through their website, mm-hmm. and it translates for you, and then you purchase what you want. It gets shipped to Bai-E. 
Yeah, you can't. All Yahoo auctions is like eBay in Japan only. Yeah. But they won't ship overseas. Yep. So you have to sell them to Baiyi has to make the purchase. It ships to Baiyi's warehouse. And then they ship it to you. Correct. And it was super weird because the second set of wheels, because I, I needed five wheels. So I was like, well, I'll just buy two sets and, mm-hmm. com- and combine the best out of the eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll have spares. Whatever. Because uh, it wasn't going to be that expensive. And then they were like, uh, these four wheels, we can't ship. Like, they're oversized. I was like, uh, I'm trying to email them. And it's a little bit a translation issue. I was like, well, you just shipped me these other ones, the same exact thing. And it was fine. The only thing I can think of is that all four of them came in one box to the warehouse. And it was just too big. And the other ones came in two separate boxes. And then it was strange. Like, I haven't gotten, this is months ago now. I was like, well, I'm not going to pay for anything. And then I went and checked on the website. And they were still in, like, this weird limbo. Mm-hmm. And I never got any emails that they were going to get, like, destroyed because they say if they sit for too you, long. You paid for the wheels. Yeah. So it's not like you screwed them on anything. No, they just but. just aren't shipping them. But I think they just throw them away. Or, yeah. Or resell it's one. It's kind of weird. On, on resell one Yahoo or something. Yeah. So, uh, whatever. Whatever. I lost the, to a loss. couple hundred bucks on those four, but it uh, was worth trying. Right. And then Dan so just has, be aware of that. Yeah, Dan has a third question, but we'll, we'll, we'll allow it because it's related. Uh, yeah, he's apparently he's publicly challenging me. Yes, because he also uh, has a O four O five WRX in World Rally Blue, like you do. Yep, uh, he wants a face off at the upcoming Rally Cross, at our local Rally Cross in uh, I say Canaan, but some people say Canaan up in New Hampshire. I'm just gonna have three for Lubin Go Canaan. Canaan. Like Tony Canal, the Indian. Yeah, all right. Spelled different, but that's how I go with it. Um, Well, the gauntlet has been thrown down. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. The plan was not to rally across the car. No. So, but it's a it's a small track that was like a it was like a karting track, and they kind of upgraded it Mm -hmm. to be a small racetrack. And they're using it as a rally cross venue, so they're kind of intermixing pavement Pavement with dirt. But apparently last year it mostly ended up being dirt because they didn't want to ruin the facility's you, grass. You mean pavement? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I will. I'm going to think about it. And then the following, the, the day, day before, before that. Is a TSD, yeah. and we're going to break in the cross check driving the TSD. i got to figure out what to do because it hasn't snowed or anything yet. So I'm hoping I'll be able to maybe use the blue Colt. Yeah, I don't, think, uh, I don't think it's going to snow for the next three or four weeks. Yeah, it looks pretty warm in the <laughs> Considering the last couple days it's been in the 70s yeah. and it's almost november yeah we'll take it's it really weird but yeah i'll take it all right so next question is from friend of the show joe osborne how many monteros does it take to reliably get to work on a weekly basis uh well you've only got one so that doesn't work it doesn't work uh so. i've got two and that works so at least two okay but i'm gonna say at least as many mid-90s Subaru Legacy Wagons as it takes Joe Osborne to reliably get to work. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So, anyway. Little little, uh, little hatred there towards the Mitsubishis from Joe. But it's okay. Hey. It's okay. Actually, I'm going to... Yeah, I got to talk to Joe. He want to be a co-driver for me. All right. There you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> be nice to him. Yes. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> nice question. Andrew, what do you got? What's next? Andy Carter, uh, can we get a fair and balanced discussion of the evolution concept? LOL. Yes, we can. I don't hate it. Do you hate it? Uh, I don't hate it because it's a concept car. I don't hate it because they're not calling it an Evo. They're calling it an E-evolution. Yeah. Not an evolution. The hatred on the internet is coming from everybody going, oh, they made a new Evo and it's an SUV. No, 
It's not an SUV. It's a completely different vehicle. I'm well, okay with it because they're trying to help the company's image, and they're trying to bring something exciting to the electric market, and the world is going electric, so we might as well make it exciting. I know it will never exist because it's an ugly concept car. Yeah, it's never going to be built like that it's anyway. interesting. I really wish they had brought their Outlander plug-in hybrid out a lot sooner. Yeah, it's kind of on the backside now. That would have, had they brought that out three or four years ago, that would have put them in probably in a better position and gotten them into the market. And maybe people would have recognized that Mitsubishi does know something about electric stuff. Like, they have a lot of really good tech. Mm -hmm. They always have. Um, They've always been a tech-forward company. Yeah. Uh, they're just—I don't know. They're just they just don't sell them here. They just sell yeah. us fifteen-year-old Lancers as brand new cars. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I—I I, I, a fair and balanced discussion. I don't hate the thing. It's a concept car. It's not an evolution. It's not the next Evo. It's not a, a Piero Evo either. It's not a Pajero Evo. No. Um, it's just—it's just—it exists in a, in a time and place where it needs to be, and it does not offend me in the way that it seems to. Stuff's going electric. Else. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they make exciting cars. Uh, hopefully electrics become more exciting. I know... We're going to get to that later on in a further question yeah. about the Tokyo Auto Show, because there's a couple things from there that are interesting that are yeah. electric, but we'll get to that afterwards. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Jordan Mellon asks... Our first guest of more than one time. Yep. Why did he sell his Volvo? I don't know why he sold his Volvo. Do you had, know why he sold he his Volvo? 94. Five? It was a red 855 speed wagon. Yep, five speed 850 wagon, non turbo. Um, I believe that you sold it because you bought the Xterra that you have now. Yeah. And you had the STI and didn't have the space in your driveway. But now apparently you want just a beat around car. So. But he was a Volvo wagon specifically again. That car was pretty cool. I only rode it like once. He has DTM dreams. Yeah. Or BTCC dreams, more likely, actually. Mm hmm. Yeah, he needs a white one with, like, 19-inch OZ Super Turismos. It sounded really, really cool. Oh, inline fives always. Yeah. Do. Or, um, no, what were the other wheels that were bigger than the 90s? The ASWs? TSW. TSWs. Yeah, the six spokes. Yes. Yeah. No, I prefer the Super Turismo, like, the probably 15s. No, I want the, the TSWs with the fake center fake lock. center locks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, that was definitely big. Yes. I think those were TSW. They Hockenheims? Called, they called, the Hockenheim was a mesh. Okay. I think it was... It was, it was oh, the T- TSW Hockingheims were awesome looking. Yeah. They're a little dated now, but they would definitely work on that car. As long as they were super clean and nice, because they just... They wind up... Because they're all old now, they all look beat up when you see them, so they look like American racing wheels. <laughs> I don't think... Does TSW even make wheels anymore? I think so. Yeah. I couldn't, you know, be 100% sure, but I think they still exist. They were like a tire rack special for a long time. Yep, they still exist. All right. Let's move to the next question. Steve Booten. And this one you can probably answer better than me. Do you think my S10 Blazer could handle an overland rally like VOR with a two-inch lift and a decent set of tires? Um, yes. Simple answer. Yeah. 100%. It, they, they vary the roads, right? So you've got different levels of difficulty. Like Not only that. But the vehicles, I mean, you're not going to do... It's not like, rock crawling. There are sections that are more rock crawling than other sections. They have, you know, the red and purple sections that are pretty, pretty rough. You're not going to run the crack, they call it, which is like this really wide crevasse that the big trucks go over. 
but most of the stuff that Andrew's bone stock, I, I took Andrew's bone stock 89 Montero with like not even mud terrain tires, just like all terrain snow tires. And it was fine. So your S10 Blazer, unless it has S10 Blazer problems, which is a whole mm. other story for a whole other day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if as the long wheel as, drive doesn't engage as long as it's the in, vacuum. As long as it's in functioning working order, it shouldn't be an issue. No. I don't imagine it being an issue. And I think that you should come up and do it next year if that is the uh, if that is the plan. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't make it, then it's an S10 Blazer. We just leave it in the woods and you buy another one down at the corner store. Yep. So not to make fun of your particular truck, but they are fairly common around here, so... Shouldn't be an issue. All right. His second question. Where in New England are the best sports car driving roads? Vermont and New Hampshire. 100%. Yeah. I mean, is, do, you, do you have any other, like, route? was it Route 17 in Maine? Yes. That's a good one. Yep. 113 in Maine. So, oh, But actually, that, too, yeah. but that connects. So when you go over Hurricane Mountain Road from the North Conway area, you drop down into 113. Which, if you're in North Conway and you're in any kind of a sporting vehicle, you should go a pre-dawn or after-dusk run up Hurricane Mountain Road. Yep. Uh, uh, because I say pre-dawn or after-dusk because it's less trafficked. It is a two-lane road, two-way road, but it's really only a lane and a half wide. Yeah. So in the middle of the day, your sight lines aren't great because of the trees. At least at nighttime, you have the oncoming headlights to warn you of oncoming vehicles. Um. There's a deer factor at nighttime, but you know it's it's a, it's a fun road to, to climb up and over. I, I wouldn't race up at like a hundred, you know, ten and ten tenths nope. effort, but it's definitely. I, I I will not confirm nor deny that the Mirage left the ground at one point climbing mm. Hurricane Mountain mm. Road. The uh, I mean, midweek, the Kangamangus is a good road. It's not a particularly windy road though. No. It's a nice, smooth, flowing road with really pretty views. There's I don't a couple like, of roads off of it, like yes. Baranach Road is good. Yep. I, I I don't like when people say they, they're going on a kank run and they're going to go around the Kankamangus and they're going to, you know, drive up another Kankamangus and that's it. I don't think it's that fun of a road. It's too wide open. It's probably the best known driving road in New England, I think. Yeah, but it's more for the scenic views than it is for the actual technicality yeah, of the driving. Yeah, I mean, that's what everybody goes for. But there's other roads. But if you're up in that area... And you go on any offshoot of any of the main highways, they're all going to be fun back roads. And New Hampshire, in particular, takes really good care of their pavement. And they have uh, a lot I, of really smooth roads. I think you mean Vermont. Uh, Vermont, excuse me. Yeah. Takes really good yeah. care of their pavement. And they have a lot of really smooth <laughs> yeah. roads up Vermont there. Vermont roads between little towns up there, some of them can be really awesome. Yeah. If you go up in the, what was the area we went? Um, yeah. I'm going to have to research it. Um, what? The Winter Challenge Island? Where, where your Montero broke down? What town was that? That was the Ludlow, Chester area. Ludlow. There you go. Up in the Ludlow area. Yeah, there's a bunch up there. To go in between, like from between Ludlow and Chester, say, the roads that are not mm-hmm. in a city are really good, windy, mm-hmm. fun roads. They were even fun towing the trailer with Andrew's broken Montero. In the back, and then, so. um, you know, just when you get up way north in Vermont, not a lot of people. Right. And... Um, a lot super, of these, tro- super Troopers is not fiction at that point. A lot of these small towns <laughs> um, don't have police forces. But they do have state troopers. They do. And like I said, and Super lot, Troopers and, is not fiction at that point. And a lot of ground to cover. So just yeah. saying. Yeah, it can be fun. It can be very fun. As long as you don't get caught. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John Rimmer says, What are some of your most memorable car moments you shared with your dads that you would hope to have the chance to share with your own kids someday. Do you have an answer for this, Andrew? Um, 
Well, probably working on all my cars. That's the obvious answer. 100%. That's, uh, you know, like, you know, we wouldn't go out and have a catch. Right. It's, we'd go out and change oil in the car or something. Right. So that's pretty fun. Which is why you're way into cars and you're not, not into the sports. Most, <laughs> the, not the most athletic person out there. No. Or as far as ball sports go. You're always pretty good. Actually, you're pretty good at soccer growing up. You're always a big soccer guy. Yeah. But anyway, um, I would say that as well. But my father and I always had, uh, we always had scale car stuff. That's where I get my love of the scale car from. Um, whether it be models or RC cars or any of that stuff. Because I grew up and we would like team build model cars. Like he would help me paint them, taught me how to paint pretty well with aerosol cans. Um, and sometimes we'd go to his body shop that he used to own and we'd actually spray paint the bodies of model cars with legitimate, you know, automotive paint and a legitimate paint gun. Would it melt them? No, no, no. As long, as long as he had a good primer on it, it was fine. Um, but doing that, and we used to have big slot car racing tournaments in the basement. Um, so yeah, a lot of the scale car stuff was a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I've done some of that stuff with my daughter. I've done, you know, some model car builds and some light RC stuff. And I take her like, to model car shows and she's a girl, so she's not as into it because it's not her thing. But, you know, she appeases me and goes along with it. And she does enjoy it, especially if we build like a fantasy build, like a, a Batmobile or the, the time machine from Back to the Future. You know, she's more into building that stuff with me. So, yeah, uh-huh. I, I enjoy that stuff. That's what I would say. But, yeah, the wrenching is, is fun, too. Uh-huh. And uh, I got my cousin who I'm trying to, who wants to get more into wrenching. So, I'll be able to do it with him. He's young enough to be my child, <laughs> but he's my cousin. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that works. Uh, William Connor, I apologize, William. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm going to go Wyant. Uh, thoughts on this? And he sent a link about Warren Winches being purchased by Keystone. Yep. Um, I don't have a lot of thoughts on it. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't really have a horse in that race. The one thing I will say is that working in the automotive industry in a body shop, I always get a corporate account with Keystone LKQ. And if Keystone LKQ wants to start selling Warren Winches and I can get my corporate account discount on them, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> so is Keystone LKQ like just... Buying up everything? It, seemed- I, it would appear to be. They're just becoming a huge... They're buying every independent junkyard in the world. and Yeah, uh, that's what you, that's that's one of the things you guys talked about in that podcast, how LKQ buys up a lot of small junkyards. Yep, um, which is good and bad because you lose that, that you know, pick, up, pick and pull kind of thing, but you also get a better inventoried system, but you and, also lose all the old cars because they just crush them. Yeah, and better shipping and delivery... And probably consistent pricing. Yep, and a better damage indicator when you buy a part. Yeah, so that's but, interesting. So there's, that there's goods all, and bad. That stuff up. There's good mm-hmm. and bad, but it's just like anything, a monopoly is never good. No, you know, it's it's, it's we talk about. You know, you posted on Facebook today the thing about Facebook saying, "Hey, come here and help. We'll help. We'll help promote everything." Oh, everybody's here now. We're gonna lock the doors now. You get to pay to promote things. Yeah, well, it was from the oatmeal. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Because he used to have this really cool. Well, I'm sure he still has this very cool website. Up. Yeah, but yeah, you'd go to the oatmeal website to see what the latest comic was. Right. like ten years ago, and now. But now he posted to Facebook. Posted Facebook. Hopefully, but it's like it. what you're talking about is how. Um, and, like, see somehow our question post, we made sure it got through to people today. We had to trick the Facebook logarithms. Yeah, because uh, I certainly refuse to pay $5. Yeah, that's a valid point. I especially like it when it'll say at the bottom of the post how many people it's reached. And I'll be like, this post has reached 495 people. And it's like, do you want to promote this poach? Poach. 
promote this post to guarantee that it reaches 300? It's like, well, it's already reached 495, yeah. so why would I do that? I'd rather not be spamming people's feeds by doing that. Uh, I oh, figure, exactly. I figure if you want to see us and interact with us, hopefully you'll, you know. I, I, I do wonder if we did it You'll once. seek us out. Yeah, I do wonder if, <laughs> if you did it once, it would bring in new views, or it's just people that already know us. That's the confusion thing that I have, but whatever. It, it we're not going to do it. It doesn't matter. No. We're just going to keep doing it the way this is doing yeah. it, and uh, I think it's working. So. We'll try to have a, at least halfway quality program, and people will want to listen. That's, that what, I, there. that's yeah. what I hope for. If it's, a, if it's a decent thing to listen to. Everyone will tune Sometimes in. it's a little less, sometimes it's a little more, but as long as at the end of the day it's always has, out of an hour we get 15 minutes of good material, we're good to go. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Nutt, another former guest actually. Uh, back in the muscle car era, the engines and transmissions were all numbers matching from the factory. Did Mitsubishi do this for DSMs and GVR4s? I mean, technically, every car has got a VIN plate, a VIN numbered engine that matches the chassis, you know? Uh, I don't recall. I don't think so. I think on the so in a in a muscle car, right? It was super easy to change the engine, right? You could you might have a muscle car that came with a slant six, so it wouldn't and, be a muscle car. And now thirty years later, it's got a, a small block in it, right? Yep. Uh, but in a DSM or a Glant VR four, there's really only one engine that fits. Right. So on the but and on the transmission and the engine, they did have stampings that told you what engine it was, like a four G six three. There was no VIN, VIN number. W five M whatever the transmission was. Right. And that does match the VIN tag on the firewall. Well, the, so I, is that what numbers matching means? Not one hundred percent. Does not. No. Um, there's as built and numbers matching. Okay. The numbers matching car is it has to be as built number one. So yep. if the car came in. You know, say it's a uh, an emerald green '68 Corvette. Yeah, it has to be emerald green. The numbers matching, obviously, mm-hmm. but the engine and transmission will have a VIN tag on them or mm-hmm. a VIN number stamped into them that matches the car. So, if you had a 350 Corvette and you put a different 350 in it, it's no longer a matching numbers car. It's a correct car. It's built correctly, but it's not the engine that belongs with that car. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they did that. I think that was an original attempt at reducing theft, probably. Well, I know a lot of cars do have VIN numbers on engines, and I know that's one of the things that, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's there somewhere, Andrew. I'm not going to... I j- Just from taking the engines in and out of my cars, I don't remember seeing VIN stampings on the engine block or, or VIN etching on the transmission, because my uh, Talon did have the original engine and transmission in it, and I don't remember them being there. I think it was purely oh, I'm pretty sure it's there. the build tags. I know there's lots of um, VIN stickers on body panels, and that's a good way to tell if a vehicle's been in an accident that all the VIN tags are still there. On, like, the hood, there'll be one, like, in the, you know, like open, up, open up the doors. There'll be one on the inside of the door jams, and that way you can tell if the car's been repainted. There'll be ones on the inside of the bumper covers, stuff like that. There's no VIN tags on the inside of bumper covers. On original ones, there is. No, not a VIN tag, though. Yes. I take off bumper covers every single day. Uh, well, on my, D- on my DSMs, there are. Not every car has got a VIN tag in the bumper well, cover. Well, it's because it's been replaced. 
No, it's not. <laughs> no, on my DSM. Well, maybe your DSM have, has, have, but not every car has that. They have the Vintags on the original. On my cars, they have the original Vintags on them. Okay, that's fine, but not every car has that. All right, well. So we're going to have to figure definitely it out. Definitely seen it. We're going to have to figure yeah, it I'm not denying it exists. I'm just saying it's not every car. Um, we're going to have to figure this out in the engines, though, because I could have sworn it was nope. a regular thing. Nope. But I, I don't think it is anymore. I haven't seen it in any modern cars I've been working on either. Okay. Anyway, next question. Yeah, we're going to argue with this one at the end of time, but we'll figure it out. Yep. John Rimmer. So, Mary F. Kill for Mitsubishi's. So, which would you. So, Mary is which would you daily drive? Yep. Hoon the crap out of, which would be F, and burn the factory down, and the accursed car was produced at Kill. What do you think? Um, kill is easy. Yeah, it's a diamante. Okay, I mean, do you have a, do you argue with that at all? Um, I do. Okay, the rebadged Dodge Raider. <clears throat> the Mits- um, Mitsubishi Raider. Yes. So the rebadged Dodge Dakota. Yes. Mm, that's a tough call. Yep. Yeah, you're right. I, I would much rather drive a diamante than a Dodge Raider. Yeah. Mitsubishi Raider. Yep. Dodge. Sorry, Dodge, not a Dodge Raider. I drive a Dodge Raider. A Dodge Dakota Mitsubishi Raider. Not to be confused with a Dodge Raider Mitsubishi Montero. It's a terrible vehicle. It is a terrible vehicle. It's a terrible as a Dodge. It's terrible as Mitsubishi. That generation Dakota is a very bad truck. Like uh, Own forever. Um, I don't have one in this flavor. Uh, but it would be a Colt. But it would be a first-gen Colt. Okay. Um, which is a Gallant based, so 70 to 73. All right. It's a really sharp looking car. And then the F car would probably be an Evo of some sorts. Um, probably I'd go with an Evo 9MR to thrash in the track. Okay. See, I, I'm very close. So I do the daily, would, would be my Gallant. Uh, and then. Who the crap out of would be uh, an Evo 8 RS. Okay, that's a good choice, too. Set up for rally. Yep, that's a good choice. I would ruin that car. Um, I need to change my daily, though, from that Colt to a Colt Gallant GTO. Okay. Twin cam. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna stick with the Diamante because my first answer. So I'm going to kill the Diamante. I'm going to marry the Colt Gallant GTO. And I'm going to F the Evo. I'll stick with the 9MR. Okay. Good choices. I like that question. Very specific question that time. We've had the same question, just not specifically Mitsubishi before, I don't think. So Mm -hmm. that was good. Now, let's see. Nice question. I'm a little lost, Andrew. You you out there? Gillette Jake, do you guys have any video game preferences? Um, You put a pic of Gran Turismo 6. Lot VR4 and a first gen Lancer. Mm -hmm. Well, it used to be all about Gran Turismo. Yeah, uh, Gran Turismo was during Andrew and my formative years, the game that we played together all the time. Yes. Like for hours and hours and hours on end. I would go to his house, he'd go to my house, and we would just play Gran Turismo and we would race Sylvia's and FD's, and that was the big race all the time. The S15 uh, and the F15. Well, there was also, like, uh, we do Trial Mountain uh, Viper versus a 67 427 Corvette. Yep. 
for right. whatever reason, that was a close race. Yeah, we got way too good at that game. It didn't make any sense. That, that uh, was Gran Turismo 2. And yeah. Gran Turismo 3 were probably our biggest, because we both still lived across the street from one another when those mm-hmm. two games came out, I think. Yeah, so those were good. Had, I had moved anyway. At S2000 versus RX-7 in that Rome circuit, that was good. Yep. And uh, Special Stage Route 11. However, as time has marched on, uh, Forza became a lot more playable for multiplayer. And just other... I, I just like the way it customizes. Yeah. Gran Turismo kind of stayed uh, a little stale. And Forza seemed to change with the times. and became a better game. The first Forza, I did not like because I was all Gran Turismo nope. all the time. And I didn't like the second one that much. It was okay. Yeah, it was like okay. It, it was better than the first one. Yeah. By the time the third Forza came out, it was good. I was like, alright, I'm on board. Yeah, and now I'm 100% on board. Yeah. I don't even own a new PlayStation. I have an Xbox One, so I only have Forza now. Yeah. So I'm waiting for the new Xbox to come out. It's like the Xbox One X. Okay. And then I'm hoping that the other one, the Xbox S, will drop will drop in price yeah. because you can run Forza 7 on it. So Yep. But you can I'll, run Forza 7 on the, on the current Xbox. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what you have, isn't it? The X or the S? I have whatever the normal Xbox One is. Yeah. So that's sure. what I'm waiting on that to drop down in price, which probably in the next month or so, right before the holidays they usually do. Yeah, usually. And then I'll pick up Forza, uh, Forza 7. And we'll have to figure out how to do some online gaming. That should be fun. Yeah, 100%. It's not that difficult. Nope. <laughs> they're well, just, they're designed yeah, for it now. Just like a time. Yeah, but, well, yeah. we're both in our own houses. But as far fun. as racing games, that's definitely the... Uh, I'm definitely on board with the Forza train now. Although I saw a couple screenshots in the Grand Turismo. It does look really pretty. It looks really pretty. Don't question. I'm just not that into it. I don't think I'll buy another uh, PlayStation. I don't think... Well, we used to have both, but... Well, at this point in my life, I don't want to spend that much money on video. And games. the other thing too is that they they do do other things. So like mine has been a Netflix <laughs> machine forever. My PlayStation yes. Three. I'm not even on the four. I'm still on the three. Uh, and they don't seem to go out of uh, style so quickly, so to speak. No, no, they last one off for a long time now. You can get like two generations out of a machine now. Cause it used to be like, oh, new generation of video game consoles is out. Throw the old in the trash, buy a new one. Yeah, exactly. But now they seem to last a little longer. So, well, it's because they're so good now, and I think that the the gains in graphics are more. Oh. Hey, the gains in graphics are more uh, are lower now than exponential like they used to be. Yeah. So well, I think we need to take a quick break so I can take Ollie out because I think he's ready. Okay. And we're back from the quick break. On to the next question, which is from Brian Driggs, who asked us a lot of questions on this particular week. We're not going to get to all of them, because one of them is pretty in-depth, and actually I think we're going to save it for a topic in the future. So thank you, Brian, for that. We'll make a whole topic out of one of your questions. However, it won't be this question. This question is... Are you sure? A positive. We're not going to make a whole topic out of this. No, but I have a good answer, so... All right. Which would be faster around Nürburgring? A Slayer fan or a Juggalo? And what would they be driving? Andrew, what do you think? Man, um, I guess the Slayer fan, right? 100%. Because, like, I don't know. Do Juggalo fans understand how science works? Like, are they going to know how, like, well, they don't know how tires, magnets work. tires so, can, like, stick to the ground? As like, you all know, Juggalos don't know how magnets work. Coefficient of friction, like... 
Um, I'm not even going to go that far with it, but I've never seen a Juggalo that didn't drive a 96 Corsica. Okay. So I don't understand how they could be fast on the track. Also, I am a big time Slayer fan. All right. So I'm not sure if Brian is uh, making fun of me there or not, but uh, I am a big time Slayer fan, and I like to think that there's not a Juggalo in the world that could beat me on any kind of racetrack. Um, And if we have any Juggalo fans... I sincerely apologize. I don't understand your culture. No, I don't. And I'm going to make fun of it because I don't know it. You don't apologize? Nope. I'm apologizing to any of our fans. Your taste in music is terrible. Um, So there. And you don't like science. Nope. You don't know what science is. Nope. Go drink some, uh, was it Fago? Fago. Fago. Yeah, that's another reason they wouldn't be fast. They wouldn't want to spill their Fago going around in the bowl turns. Yeah. (laughs) So no, definitely be a Slayer fan. Because Slayer fans, A, the music is fast. B, yes, who doesn't want some speed metal? Right. B, there's a lot of Slayer fans in the world that probably race cars. C, Slayer is awesome. And D, they don't drive 96 Corsicas. So, what would the Slayer fan drive? Uh, An 89 Trans Am, obviously. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I I don't know what else to say. Turbo Trans Am? It could be a Turbo Trans Am. It's going to be some kind of Trans Am. Um,. Or Camaro, insert Camaro here as well. Or actually, I'd also go with like um, some big German sedan. I could see a Slayer fan driving a big German sedan. I feel like Slayer is probably really big in Germany. Metal is big in Germany. It's yeah. also big. In, they're also really big in like Brazil. So maybe they drive old Volkswagens. I don't know, but nonetheless, I uh, hey, I listen. I'm a Slayer fan, and I'm tonight currently driving a '78 Colt. So that's what I'd be driving, and I would still kick the Juggalo's ass in his 1996 Chevy Corsica. Nurburgring. Or Grand Am. 21 minutes. Doesn't matter how long it takes as long as it's Ring times don't matter, man. It's all about the numbers. It's all about the numbers. Um, next question he has. Remember the Chevy Citation and Ford Tempo? Man, were those things turds or what? Maybe there's an interesting sidebar on interesting oddball features you've seen, like vertical radios installed in the Citation, or how the needles on old horizontal speedometers, like in the Citation, would just go to shit and just wave at you when you drove, giving zero indication of actual speed. Uh, I do remember, obviously, the Chevy Citation and the Ford Tempo. Um, Chevy Citation was supposed to be the world car that saved GM in the early 80s. Yeah. It did not. No. It was supposed Um, to be their K car. Yep. Uh, I would totally drive an X11 Citation. Okay. Yeah, those are kind of cool. They're kind of cool. They have a cool stripe package. They have bigger sway bars, and they have tighter springs. Not as cool as Cosworth Vega, but... Not as cool as Cosworth Vega, because they're front-wheel drive, which doesn't help, and they're citations, which doesn't help. Definitely nerdy. Yeah, your car is uh, a citation. Like Yeah. <laughs> so... It's a horrible name for a car. Isn't a citation like a negative thing? Yeah, it's a ticket. You get a citation. Well, I suppose you get a citation would be like a... In a, like an award or acknowledgement, maybe? Acknowledgement, maybe. But... Or here's your, here's in, your car. It's an acknowledgement that you bought a car. Yeah. In, at least in America, a citation is like a bad thing. You don't want to yeah, get a citation. I bet, I bet that in the 80s when the car came out, there are many police officers who would walk up to the car and be like, Sir, here's your citation for driving your citation too fast. All right. Not that it happened too often because it was a citation. And they didn't go very fast. But the speed limit was only 55. So This, this is true. <laughs> they probably had 85 miles per kilometer in every single one of them. Yeah. Sidebar. Which apparently broke. Sidebar. The technology teacher at Salem High School had a four-door hatchback citation well into the 90s. Yeah. And it was very rotted and very terrible. But I remember it because it was a Chevy citation. Yeah. 
the Ford Tempo was way more bland. But um, uh, what generation Tempo are we talking? It's only two. I'm thinking of the. I only remember the second gen ones then. Or the, was that a, what? That, my mom had a Mercury Topaz, which is a version of the Tempo, right? Same car. What was that a first or a second gen? I one? think your mom's would have been a first gen, the big square headlights, and the second gen had yeah. like sable style narrower headlights. Okay, yeah, and it was like this weird battleship gray with a blue vinyl interior. It wasn't a terrible color combination, but it was no. a terrible car. No. However, if you wanted an all wheel drive, I know American, she got it for free and she drove it for a while, oh, there so you it was go. pretty cool. That's a good car. Um, if you wanted an all wheel drive American sedan, yeah, that was your only option. What about an AMC Eagle? That was, well, they were well gone by that point. Really? This, yeah, we're talking late, late 80s, early 90s. AMC was long dead. And the only when American... Did, when did the Citation come out? The Citation came out in 82. Okay, so that would have been, an AMC Eagle would have been around then. But that wasn't an all-wheel drive car. Okay. The Tempo was all-wheel drive. The all Tempo right. didn't come out until, I think, 86 yeah. or 85. But the all-wheel drive would have been 88, 89, 90, 91. I shouldn't know these things. I might not be exact on the date, oh, but I have a yeah. general idea. Yeah. we. Yeah. I was supposed to have a talk with you about your lack of uh, obscure car knowledge. Yes. Car knowledge. Yeah, and, they call uh, the carry-all a suburban or yeah, suburban carry-all yeah. instead of a yeah. travel-all. Yeah. I'm not sure about your level of commitment, commitment to this. So, Well, what I do know about the all-wheel drive Ford Tempos is they didn't make very many of them. And as early as the late 90s, if the center bearing went on the drive shaft, you could not replace it. So I'm sure there's a workaround for it for the ones that happen to still be left, the six of them in the world. But they were mm. they were obsolete very quickly, unfortunately. Huh. You, you couldn't get a manual with a all-wheel drive either. So That's a typical thing. Yeah. Well, it is now. Back then it wasn't weird. It wasn't really the, it was really the only It was a weird car. Audi. I, I didn't even know any of those things. So I shouldn't know any of those things. Yeah. Like, well, I really shouldn't. Actually, we saw, we recently saw our Tempo. Remember? We saw it in Boston on the oh, way back yeah. from Rhode didn't, Island. Didn't have Mercury Topaz taillights, though. It was a Tempo with it was, it was a Topaz with a Tempo nose, and it had like a mid-90s Eclipse spoiler on the trunk. Yeah, it was well, pretty terrible. if your Tempo or Topaz gets damaged and you're looking for junkyard parts, you're probably like, all right, there's a Topaz or Tempo. Like a, first available. Yeah. It's like a seat at a busy restaurant. Yeah. Just give me the first available. Mercury Topaz. So weird. Um, the next thing we're going to skip over, which we might go into in deeper in a topic in the future. Uh, and his last question is, your favorite Top Gear episode and why? From British Top Gear, not American Top Gear, he says. Well, whatever. I mean, it's a... I liked American Top Gear. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it as much as original British no, Top Gear. Well, I I, unpopular it. opinion, I liked it. Because I like the hosts, so... Yeah, I like most of them except for the comedian from New York. Yeah, I liked him too. Ugh. Anyway. Um, I don't really know what my favorite episode of Top Gear is. There are a lot of good ones. Oh, come on. Nothing? Like, nothing, like, immediately stands out. The boat one where they made the, the cars into boats was good. Went across the channel? Yeah. That was a pretty good one. Yeah, that's probably my one of my favorites. So the one where they destroyed the Hilux was a good one. Yep. I don't know. It was I, I, There's too many segments in each episode. There's too there's a lot of good segments versus whole out. I liked the singular adventure ones. I think they go across Africa. So that, yeah, the Africa one is my favorite where they had the... Uh, Mercedes, the Mercedes, Miata. No, what did uh, Jeremy had some American car, 
uh, uh, no, sorry, uh, Italian card. Alpha. I don't even remember. Uh, I think uh, James May had a Merc- uh, what the hell a Mer- uh, Mercedes. Yeah, the big, Mercury. big diesel Mercedes. Uh, and well, they both shortened to Merc, so yeah, yeah I get you. And then uh, what's his face? Uh, Richard Hammond had the. Uh, he called it Oliver. Actually, what was that? Oh, one? that was really cool. A little Opal. Yeah, it was like Opal Record, maybe. Yeah. Oh, I said it, and now I'm going to get screwed because I'm probably wrong. My obscure car knowledge is gone. Oh, no. Uh, but, yeah, he had a little Opal. That was awesome. Yeah. So Oliver. that Oliver. Yeah, so he actually ended up restoring that car. You, yeah, he kept that car in the end. Um, but uh, this was the first time I really realized how beautifully filmed that show was. Uh, yeah. And uh, it, I think that's one of – I think that is the – Cadet. Opal Cadet. Opal Cadet. That is the – like their quintessential like best episode, I think it. Yeah, it's a good one. It hit all of the magic that made Top Gear really good. It and had, had their cadet. it had their funny chemistry. It had this amazing adventure. Uh, it didn't seem. I mean, they did have they did write scripts for the show. Some of their stuff was uh, scripted, but it didn't seem overly scripted or forced. No, like it really worked because they well. worked well together. Um, when, when they work well together, <laughs> yeah. The yeah, I, I could say that that was definitely one of the best episodes, and I'm absolutely in love with that Opal from that episode. So. Yeah, it, it, that was just that's one of my favorite ones. But the best car to go across the desert in is the Volkswagen Beetle, because it made through it all of those things. Right, that was the car that they fo- that followed them, right? The yes, that, rise car. If, yeah. If one of their cars failed, they had to drive the Volkswagen Beetle, and that was the only car that made it the entire way without issue. Without issue. So. That is my favorite episode. Okay. I can go with that as a whole episode. Yeah. There's a lot of little segments I like, but that was definitely the the best. Mm-hmm. Read the next one? Uh, sure. Kenneth Mitchell has a few random questions. So we'll start individually here. What steps do you take to winterize your cars? Well, make sure they have the correct ratio of coolant to water. Mm-hmm. That's very important around here. And you can buy the tester for that for, like, $4. It's not expensive. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely worthwhile picking one up. It's just a bunch of balls that float in the fluid, in the the antifreeze. Yes. Uh, Which which tests the level of glycol, I think. Ethylene glycol. I don't don't know how it works, but it's just the buoyancy of the balls are in ratio to the thickness of the fluid. So... Whatever. It's really easy to test. The tester is very cheap. I don't know the science behind it. I just know how to use it. <laughs> you so, clearly do not. No. <laughs> I tried. I tried, but I don't know. I mean, when in doubt, just you can always just drain it out and a 50-50 mix of water and, yeah. and coolant. You will be fine. Another important thing in New England uh, is salt protection. Yep. We have started using uh, New Hampshire oil undercoat, which is kind of like a thicker fluid film. Um, mm-hmm. And it comes, it's a thicker, um, longer lasting fluid film. And it comes in a clear or a black. Yep. Uh, we recommend the clear if you're going to work on your car a lot because the black is messy. And if the car is new. Yeah. Because it, yeah, if it's old and rusty, you can put the black on there because it hides the rust. Yeah. Well, Re- reseal I mean, coating. <laughs> it, it doesn't really like, well, it does kind of hide it, but. It makes it look pretty again. Yeah. That's well, it really does. But yeah, no, the clear coating is really nice. I, you don't, they say every other year you should reapply it. I think we're going to try to reply it every year just because we're super extra anal about it, and it's $100. And I'd rather spend $100 every year than ever spend thousands on rust repair. 
Yeah. And especially when you go to work in your car in the springtime and the bolts come out because they're not seized together is pretty nice, too. Yeah. And then throughout the whole summer, apparently, this stuff, as it warms up, it, it will kind of creep into other places. Yep. So Yeah. So put it on before it gets super cold out as yeah. well. Um, as far as anything else, make sure you have emergency supplies in the trunk for the cold in case... Something bad happens. Sound like an old father here, but you know it is what it is. Winter tires, winter tires, snow tires, one hundred percent on all four corners. A shovel in the trunk, a blanket in the trunk, gloves in the trunk, ice scraper, ice scraper, obviously. Super annoying when you don't have one. You're not, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, another funny thing about technology is, I used to always have an ice scraper because if I didn't have an ice scraper, I'd have a jewel case from a CD, and I could use that in the pinch. That worked all the time without shattering in the cold all the time. So, okay. but now cars don't have what CD was, players anymore. Right, so, what was your go-to album to scrape ice? Uh, whatever one had an already broken case. That was okay. At, within arm's reach. Okay. I think the album that was in every car that I ever had a CD player in was probably Corrosion of Conformities, Blind. Ah, ironic that you'd use it to scrape ice from your windshield. Why? So you weren't blind. Oh, very, very true. <laughs> that was a bad joke, Andrew. <laughs> Um, those, uh, those, I'll be here all week. Those are the major things. Um, as far as the New Hampshire oil undercoat goes, we use a um, little shop in Merrimack, Mass. has been taking care of us pretty well the past couple of years. Uh, it's called Auto Alliance. I don't have their phone number here. I should put a link of it up on our page eventually. Sure. Um, again, not a paid sponsor or anything, just a product that we use and endorse. Um, he does really nice work, um, and he takes extra care. Like, you had black done on your Montero, and he did the entire undercarriage in the black, and then he went with clear under the hood, so it looked better under the hood. Mm -hmm. And it looked very professional. Mm -hmm. Um, Unfortunately, everything sticks to it, so it turns yellow, but again, I'd rather have it yellow and not rusty than rusty and gross. Yeah, but if you want to clean it off, it's just some simple green and a hose. Hose. Yeah, are fine. That's the other thing. It was non-toxic, so... Yeah, no, it's all just petroleum. Yeah, if, like... If, if an animal licks it, they're not going to die. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you didn't keep things analog, this is Ken's next question. If you didn't keep things analog, what shiny modern computer on wheels would you daily? You go first. I don't. I don't have an answer. I don't know. You don't have an answer. I mean, I have my truck. It would have to be utilitarian, I think. See, I I, I classify your truck as still very analog. Yeah, but it's a 2005. It, yeah, it's still very analog. I mean, technically, any vehicle that you have to drive yourself is analog because the driver has to interact with it. Wow, that's, that's, really, that's my technicality. That is a really broad it stroke is. of that it statement is. anymore. It is very much. I don't like it anymore. Um, uh, I, I, would don't, drive, I would drive a new BRZ. I don't mean, yeah, I don't mean that the car has can't have any electronics in it. When I say keep it analog, I mean drive it yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely a BRZ. Uh, very analog still as a sports car. Uh, Stephanie's Crosstrek is pretty analog because yeah, it's very manual analog. transmission. Yep. Um, the thing that would be like super modern that I'd be interested to try is a Tesla. I mean, anything that's got yeah, that's true. self-driving capabilities, early, early self-driving capabilities would be not very analog. That's, that's very not analog. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I don't like your definition of not analog, but I'll, I'll let it slide. But it's the truth. Though. I do want to drive a Tesla, but I want to drive like a P100D with the ludicrous mode. Like I really want to try yeah, that. Yeah, I definitely want to try one. I was watching a video, uh, a terrible like street racing video on YouTube the other day Yeah, of a guy who has, it's a bone stock P100D. What else do you do to them? With a stripped out interior Oh, and like two Kirky race seats and harnesses. Okay. 
And he just goes out and he goes to the local street races and just wipes the floor with everybody. And then sneaks away because he's in a Tesla. Yeah, exactly. No, it doesn't make any noise. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I think a lot of stuff's going to go electric. I mean, definitely. Well, again, and the I, range I, I think there'll be a... About. Well, that's going to change. I know. I know. Batteries are getting better and better all the time. Uh, I What I would like to really try is a new NSX. Because well, apparently... I mean, yeah. Well, apparently, uh, from what I've heard from people who have driven it, uh, compared to, like, a GTR that does a lot of stuff for you, corrects a lot of your mistakes, the... NSX will do that, but it still manages to feel like a sports car. Like yeah. it's, it gives you a feeling of control, but it will correct your mistakes. Okay. So um, Evo kind of did that too, didn't it? With like the super all-wheel control. Yeah, and the control a little bit, and... but not as much. You could turn it off. I know that I liked, you know, going back to those cars, I liked my Evo a little more than yours because mine felt more analog to me. Because it, it was a lot more raw because I had an 8 and you had a 10. Yeah. And 10, 10, well, it's a nice car. I'm not discrediting that. I think the 8 was a lot more raw of a car, a lot more quote-unquote analog. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the 10 was definitely a nicer car to drive, to be in for yeah, a long period of time. I drive old Colts, so. Yeah. <laughs> the 0-3, the Evo 8 was Cadillac compared to my cars yeah. anyway. Uh, but, yeah, I definitely, I'd like to try a new NSX. Yeah, I mean, I've driven electric cars. I drove an e-Golf. Um, oh, really? Yep. Um, I've driven... Um, What's the Chevy? The Volt? The Volt, not the Bolt, which is a hybrid, but not a hybrid because the engine does It's not drive. a hybrid. It's an electric with a range extending right. engine. Right. The engine, dry, the engine does not drive electricity. Doesn't drive the wheels. Drive the wheels, exactly. I would be interested if, um, I mean, they're going to get better and better and better. Uh, see, like, now I've got a 70 mile a day commute, mm-hmm. which would be basically at the range. Of a current electric car? A Tesla would do that. A Tesla would. Yeah. Tesla's also over $100,000. I'm just saying, a Tesla would do that. Yes. But I think, like, the e-golf's, like, 150 miles. I think that, I think that's on a good day. If you... Oh, yeah. That's, that's like, I, straight flat road, yeah, no stops, I, no hills. From what I've heard, most people, what's good out of an electric car is 70 80. to 80 miles yeah. um, with normal driving. So... With driving the way you would drive an electric car. So you would driving need, the way you drive a gas car. Yeah, you would need to have a charging station at work. Exactly. To make it work. Yeah. So, and a lot of places are doing that, but I would be, I would totally drive an electric car every day. As long as you still have your gas car on the side for a sure. weekend. Sure. That's, I would totally, if you, if we can make a gas car, uh, if we can make an electric car fun to drive mm-hmm. and still have good range, mm-hmm. like a hundred miles, I'd totally drive one all week long. And then have my gas cars for the weekend. Right. No, 100%, I, I, 100%. I'm okay with that. I don't need a gas car my to get only, to work. My only problem with that is the more we There's less maintenance. Gas, so. The more we make electric cars the norm, the less demand is going to be for gasoline, the higher the price is going to go for enthusiast use. Maybe. I, I'm pretty sure. Mm, I don't think so. I wish that they would figure out a synthetic gasoline solution. That would burn cleaner. Okay. I mean, hey, I, I, I might be thinking, you know, large here, but they make synthetic oil. It's still made out of hydrocarbons, though. Uh, this, this, it, the term synthetic is not, like, made out of thin air oil. Well, no, I understand that. <laughs> but, I, I listen. If you th- like, 
see, that's the thing. You, some people think that, oh, they could just make synthetic fuel, and it's not like it's being made out of thin air. No, it's being made out of something. <laughs> yeah. But if they could make a fuel, if they could produce a fuel that burned in a gasoline engine that burned cleaner. Maybe not, maybe synthetic is the wrong word, but there's got to be something. And someday, I think they will have that. Maybe. I mean, it's it's going to go the way within the next, within 10 to 15 years, there will be more and more electric cars. And it's going to be, it's going to end up where gas cars are, uh, it's like owning a horse or like a a boat or something. It's just I don't something think we'll you don't, see that extreme in 10 I think you years. will. Not in 10 or 15 years. Nope. Uh, calling it right now. On this, this podcast recorded in 10 to 15 years, it will be like that. All right. Well, I'm going to call you. 50% of all cars in 10 to 15 years will be electric nope. on the road. Nope. Huh, yep. Nope. 100%. Full electric or electric 50%. hybrid? Full electric. No. 50%. Not a chance. Half of all cars will not be electric. Ch- not a chance. Not a chance. You're not going to get Joe Blower from Idaho to buy an electric car in 10 years. It doesn't matter. The middle of the country doesn't matter. The coasts are what matters. It doesn't matters. matter. We well, have listeners in the middle of the country, man. Don't just blow it up. No. As far as car sales, it doesn't matter as much as the coasts. It will trickle in there, but on the you'll you'll see it. Half of all cars will be electric. All right. I respectfully disagree. Again, on this podcast, this has been a very divisive podcast. I'm telling you. We're like current administration, Congress right now, just fighting about everything. I'm telling you. Um, Anyway, his last question is, outside of what you're already involved in, what car culture are you most curious about? Examples given. uh, Bosasoku in Japan, Donks in the South, Lowriders in California, etc. Personally, I'm pretty immersed in most car culture whether I participated in it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're not immersed, you're versed. Versed, yes. No, immersed because I read about it and look into it and I'm interested in it. That's okay. Immer- that's immer- right. that's immer- right. immersion. All right, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, but I don't participate in it. Like, I don't have a Bosozoku car. I don't certainly don't have a donk, and I would never have a donk. That's just not my style. Nope. Um, I get why somebody likes it because it's their thing, and there's no accounting for personal taste. Uh, same reason that people are juggalos driving around Nürburgring. <laughs> Yeah. Um, in their donked out 96 Corsicas. Um, I don't understand that. I don't fully understand Bosuzoku to the extreme level. The minor Bosuzoku cars are kind of cool, but the extreme ones I don't get. Uh, I would definitely be into lowriders. And my future at some point, not a modern style lowrider, but a traditional lowrider from before the hydraulic days. When they were just a set of like deep dish um, Astro Supreme five spokes and a set of bell flower pipes out the quarter panels, I could totally rock. Okay. I would totally okay. rock one of those. And in fact, I kind of have this dream build in my head of a 75 Colt wagon on the ground on deep dish four spoke Krager SS's in that lowrider style. I kind of, I don't know, call me crazy, but I kind of like that. So it's a wagon. It's not going to be a sports car. You got to make it into something like a cruiser that you just haul stuff with on family trips and whatnot. All right. No, I'd be into lowriders. Yeah, lowriders are cool. They're very, they're very visual, obviously, but they're still drivable. I mean, yep. obviously, just like in anything, some people take it to an extreme beyond what I get inter- interested in. Like they have the show cars that are on top of mirrors with cotton clouds around them, mm-hmm. which is not my style, yep. or the mural. 
airbrush murals in the hoods and stuff i'm not into but some of the crazier paint jobs the lace paint jobs with the endless line paint jobs are really cool so some of the traditional 60s early 70s style lowrider stuff is pretty awesome i really like um uh drifting okay i get it i've never done it because i just i've, just I've never it. done it either but i've gone to a couple of events and, and you like, haven't been to an event and i'm like like i said you're like drifting sounds dumb and then you go watch it like no, nah, it's pretty cool. I'd do that. I mean, I drifted my car on the way here in Centennial Drive coming around the off-ramp. Yeah, but, but when <laughs> when you're in a parking lot or on it's a... It's raining out I, right now. Yeah, I know, parking lot drifting, whatever. But if you're on a parking lot or a closed course and there's no, like, you can't get in trouble for it. Right. Other than damaging your car. Uh, to see somebody just link a bunch of corners together with, you know... Just like a bunch of smoke billing from the back of the car. Yeah, it's cool. It is pretty cool and looking. I've, I've seen videos of it, and it's cool. And then when they do, they start doing tandems, you're like, all right, I get it. It's, that's it's, that's serious talent. It's pretty 100%. cool. Yeah. Like, it's not that dumb. It's pretty cool. Like, I get it. I'm down with it. All right. Well, that concludes the Facebook question segment. Yes. Now we move on to the Instagram Instagram. Questions. All right. The Gambler 500. The official Gambler 500? Yes. Sweet. Hello, Gambler 500. We didn't know you listened. No, very cool. You guys want to come rally with the Gambler 500? Uh, I don't swear often on the podcast, but fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. No, no, that's definitely definitely in our wheelhouse. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Um, What was Take an old crappy car off-road? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's us. Take an old crappy car long distance? That's also us. That's my life. Yeah. For, For a year, I commuted into Boston in a 1980 Dodge Colt. Yep. Right through wintertime. Yeah. Totally fine. Uh, We're we're totally down. You own a number of vehicles that we could just gambler right now. So do you, mother. (laughs) Um, No, because if we did it in the 89 Montero, it would just finish. There's no excitement there. Yeah, we do it in that brown 80 Colt. Yeah, you need to do it in something that's not meant to go off-road. I don't have anything I want to beat off-road. We still have to buy something. RX-7 convertible. (laughs) No, because it's worth too much money, and I fix it. Which I need to fix it to sell it, too, which is ruthless. Anyway, regardless. Um, yeah, so we're totally down with the gambler. Totally love the idea. Um, we've even contemplated. We've actually discussed it. No, no, no. We've, we've discussed doing a gambler event. We just haven't done it yet. There's one in New York. Yeah, we've discussed it, and we may join you somewhere. But, uh, yeah, keep talking to us about it. Keep reminding us to do it, and we'll wind up there somehow. Yeah. Um, fuzzy four pot, fizzy four pot. Sorry, fizzy four pot. Tokyo show, Tokyo Motor Show favorites. Fastback Toyota Crown, yay or nay? Um, Tokyo Motor Show favorites. The Honda's nice. Yep, Honda Sports Electric E Sports concept or something they called it. The Crown looks a lot like an Audi. Like a lot. It looks like an Audi A7 with a Lexus grille. Yeah, I mean that's unfortunate. But, I, I originally read the question and thought it meant Century. Okay. <laughs> Which apparently was the, fir- the th- only the third redesign of the Toyota Century. Yeah, in like 40 years. Yeah. Which there was a Century at yes. Japanese Car Day last Two week. weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. Um, I think the Century looks really cool. Because yes. it looks like a Century still. Yeah, it's just a big box. Like, yeah, the crown, the crown looks like a ripoff of an Audi A7 Fastback. I mean, I like it. But I don't love it. I'm kind mm-hmm. of either here nor there on it. Um, I'm sure cost-wise, it's probably very close to an A7, so I'd probably just buy the A7 at that point. Yeah. So what 
was it called the Honda Sports concept? Honda Sports EV concept, I think it was. All right, so there you go, fun EV sports car. And I think they're talking manual transmission, too? It looked like a, it styled like a futuristic uh, S600 coupe. Yep. Uh, I was reading, I'm not going to take credit for it because I saw it online, um, but somebody said that it looks kind of like a Toyota 2000 GT. Well, just because it's got a round opening grille with two headlights in it. But the basic shape. The basic shape is an N600. Is that what no, it is? the basic shape looks like a 2000 GT. No, when you, squint. when you see. Okay. So a long hood coupe car. A long hood fastback. Okay. Uh, a 600 coupe looks just like that. Yeah, maybe. And it's small. It's definitely a 600 coupe. Yes, it is. I like it. Um, it's got to be rear wheel drive. And electric, and I'm I'm totally down with it. I would if I was going to drive an electric car, an electric car looked like that. Well, you're gonna have to in ten to fifteen years. <laughs> I'm not gonna have to in ten or fifteen years. You're so wrong. It's not even funny. <laughs> um, that car is really cool and probably one of the most exciting things there. Um, there, the Mitsubishi E Evolution. We already talked about. They revealed the whole vehicle there. Um, it looks just as ugly as the concept renderings. Led you to believe it was going to look. Um, again, I don't hate it because it's what it is. Uh, the Mazda Kai. That's the... Which that? It, it's the hatchback four-door. It's probably going to be the Mazda 3, future Mazda 3 replacement. Okay. Uh, obviously, it won't be quite as low and wide because it's a concept car. Uh, but the styling language is nice. Yep. Um, and hopefully Mazda goes to that styling language for their whole line. Uh, but my personal favorite was the Yamaha. Which one's the Yamaha? Uh, it's a little trucklet kind of off-road, on-road thing. They call it the Cross Hub. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still not sure why Yamaha keeps making concept cars because they're a motorcycle company. And instruments. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. But it's a it's a one-liter gas engine electric hybrid combo. Um, it looks kind of like a... It's like a little adventure vehicle, I guess. It's almost like a new version of a Suzuki X90. You know, kind of a tiny little personal off-roader. I thought it was kind of cool, and I I'll admit that I do like the X ninety, um, which is not an, uh, which is not a popular opinion. Yeah, I'm trying to open a beer here and I can't get the tap open. There we go. Uh, uh, yeah, so I like that one. Did you see that one, the cross hub? Cross hub. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I'm trying to find it. But um, let's see. So that kind of there's a related question that i'm going to oh, skip hold on. to the, the subaru uh visive was cool too it looks like a lowered cross track okay that's really cool is they're all a, they're all the link i sent you to the motor trend the motor trend link if you scroll down there's a weird suzuki concept yeah which is suzuki so we'll never see it i thought we'll see any of these because they're concepts well that kind of uh there's a related question that i'll skip to uh, this is from Mr. Gallant Guy. He says, since domestic... Mr. Gallant Guy. Yes. Since he is a Gallant VR4 and a 2.5 Gen Montero. Where is that question? Oh, there it is. Mr. He's, uh, yeah. I see it. I see it. I know, He's I just know, like yes. me, but in Florida. Yes. Since domestic automakers have gone the nostalgic design on their iconic cars, should the Japanese automakers do the same? And we, there are several concepts that are kind of nostalgic throwbacks. Several cars are in the market. Yeah. I mean, the three the 350 370Z has all kinds of little harken back clues. Mm-hmm. It has that 
um, the little notch in the C pillar. Yep. Um, it has the similar shape. It has a lot of stuff that is ev- evocative of the earlier cars. I like the 350Z better, even though the three it's a cleaner design. Even though the 370 looks like a trimmer car. Yeah. Oh, the 350 is a, is a cleaner design, no question. Which is an odd thing to say from a... Nissan was really weird in the yeah, mid-2000s. But that car wasn't. They're, I think the 350Z yeah, was a pretty normal-looking car. Mm, Compared to the rest of their lineup, it was. Uh, they mid, Mid-2000s mid Nissans are kind of weird-looking. Time has been better to the 350Z than it has been to a mid, mid-2000s Altima I, or Maxima. Definitely, I think the facelifted Z, the later ones... Mm-hmm. Are, are pretty good looking. That is a car that I cannot wait till they're really cheap. They already are. You can buy them for like three grand. Cheaper. <laughs> they're not going to get much cheaper than that. The, those are going to be really sweet soon. Actually, I should buy one of those as a daily driver, actually. There you go. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good car. A lot more reliable than a actually, Merker XR4TI. Yeah, it's actually, <laughs> I mean, they are a really good car. There's, you know, there's certain issues that you've got to watch out for. But for the most part, those are really good cars. Yeah, but there's a few uh, retro-styled Japanese cars, I think, and yeah. in the 90s. Um, we're not talking about the 90s. What's what's out now? No, but we're, ta- we're talking about the, the, the future direction of nostalgic designs. And automakers have gone nostalgic, but so have Japanese cars have a history of it. Mm. Mm. You know, it's not it's not a new thing for any of them. Um. They, you know, they had the, what do they call those little Nissans, the POW and the, um, yeah, all right. Those were, you know, nostalgic designs and I don't know. I think every, every so often, every car manufacturer comes out with something that they say is a throwback to something. Yeah. It's a whole car or a piece of the car, but that electric Honda, the past two Honda concepts, one of them looks like an N600, little hatchback one, that first electric one that they showed like a month ago. And then the sports EV concept now yeah. is a certainly a, a retro-styled one. Um, the Toyota Century we're talking about, it looks like a Toyota Century. It's kind of just an evolution of the original design, but you can still tell in a, within a second that it's a Toyota Century. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is about, even though everybody wants new things... You don't want them to look too new, I guess. Yeah, like a Toyota Mirai. Yeah. Or is it Mirai, how you say it? Yeah. Or a new Prius or a new Camry. Even a new Camry is heinously ugly. Like, for some reason, even the newest car needs to have some semblance it of familiarity. It needs to be Yeah. Well, it's like if you take somebody from 1920 in a Model T and you show them an Audi A7, they would just be like, what is this pancake of metal in front of me? Well, what... <laughs> In the Ford lineup, yeah. I mean, that's 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 an extreme example. Well, but I'm just like, saying you need to have stepping stones in between. You need to be gradually you, changed. You could – somebody that went into a coma in 1968, you could show them a Mustang now, and they would understand that it's a Mustang. Because it's a full retro design. Yeah. And, like, uh, going back to Nissan, Nissan toyed with the idea when they had that concept um, – I think the five, concept. It was a 510 five, five, concept. concept. It was yeah. a small little three-box rear-wheel drive coupe, which they didn't make because they're jerks. And I would have bought one in a second. Yeah. Money my mouth is I definitely would have bought that car. All right. But anyway, so, yeah, I, I sure, yes. The answer then is yes. They should definitely do the same. I would love to have a retro-styled rear-wheel drive sports car for Mitsubishi. FJ Cruiser. Oh, yeah, that's a good one right there. 
I I always wanted them to release a rear wheel drive coupe to compete with the FRS and BRZ. Yeah. And call for, the, an eclipse, for like the first year, yeah, call it, call it an Eclipse Stereon. Yeah, perfect. You know, yeah. Toyota used to do a Celica Supra. Yeah, exactly. So it makes perfect sense. So or maybe do the Eclipse naturally aspirated. Not the Eclipse a Cross. Turbo, a turbo version called the Eclipse Stereon. The Eclipse Stereon. Yeah. I'm down with that idea. Yeah. You should run, you should run Mitsubishi. I should. However, I do have this like... In the back of my head, hope now that Nissan's in control, that they kind of get their own version of the 370Z and call it the Starion. Uh, I don't care if it's shared on the same platform. That's fine with me. Yeah. I just want a new Mitsubishi sports car. Yeah. Because that's, that's not front-wheel drive. VQ engines are great engines, so. Yeah, but even if they took the VQ out of it and they put a 4B in it, uh, whatever. also fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Anyway, so we skipped around. What's next? So we're after uh, so Osaka Flocka. Who we met at the car show last week. Yes. Could you ever own just one car? <laughs> I know I couldn't, and if you had to choose one car to do it all, what would it be? In my entire licensed driving life, I've never had one car. Really? You've always had at least two? Always had at least two. Um, I've um, definitely had one car. totally an asshole thing for me to have just said. I realized after I said it, I'm not trying to, like, humble brag here. Um, uh, to be but- fair, the collective total value... No, the Camaro is always worth a ton of money. Oh, um, yeah. All right. So the problem is, is that when I was eight years old, my father bought a car for me because it wasn't very expensive, and he wanted me to have a cool old car. So he bought me my 1968 Camaro SS350 convertible, and that was in, like, 1988 when the car wasn't worth anything. They weren't worth shit. one year old Camaro. They were a shitty old Camaro. And he put it away in storage until I was old enough to drive it. So I always had that car since I was eight years old. I got my first daily driver when I was, like, 12. Obviously, I didn't drive it, but I got the car when I was, like, 12 from a neighbor of ours who thought he blew it up. That was my Cutlass. So yeah. when I got my license, I had a Cutlass and a Camaro. Okay. And then shortly thereafter, I had a Cutlass and a Camaro and a Caballero. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, I had a Cutlass, a Camaro, a Caballero, and a Talon. All right, all right. So, so I never had one okay. car, so I don't know that. All right. Life. So what, hold on. One functioning car. I've had that problem. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So if you somehow edited yourself to one vehicle to do it all, yep. what would it be? One vehicle to rule them all. Um, it would be, did it have to be available in this country? No. Just, it's an exercise. It's clearly a thought exercise. All right. So it would be a... Because you'll Holden, never have one car. A Holden... I forget the name of the vehicle. The, the Pontiac G8-based car pickup. Oh, Okay. Because it a car pickup, so it can haul anything. Okay. It's a V8 rear-wheel drive. Haul everything but passengers. I'll put, like, some Subaru Brat-style jump seats in the back. It's <laughs> okay. totally cool. That's what I'd have. Because right. it, it can be a sports car. It can be a pickup truck. It can tow. It can do it all. I feel it's a pretty good all choice. Right. That's why it's so popular down under, and they should be popular here. Yeah. But they're not. Well, super boring answer. It would either be a WRX STI. Snore. Or an Evo. Snore. No, actually, I'm okay with both of those answers. Because really those, those really do a lot of it. My second choice would be the Evo. My only reason for not doing that is because it's too finicky of a car to do everything all the time with. Having owned an Evo, I know what maintenance on an Evo is. Do an STI. Okay. I don't know. I can't do a Subaru. Sorry. <laughs> That. One day I'm going to buy a Subaru and eat all my words, but I just, <laughs> at the moment, I just 
for everything that Subaru makes is something I would buy first. Oh yeah, I mean definitely, but <laughs> sometimes they ju- they just make like a car that you know kind of works. <laughs> if for I don't what know it is. what it's like to have cars that work, so <laughs> they're all broken, as we know. Anyway, speaking of broken cars, Throttle by Cable says you have five thousand dollars to spend on one of your cars, and then in parentheses he says no new cars, Brad. So obviously he knows my answer would be. Buy more cars, and that is apparently the wrong answer. Buy five more cars. Six, if I do it right. Uh, so you have $5,000 spent on one of your cars. No new cars, Brad. Parts and or labor if someone else is to do it. If you bought five more How cars, you you'd be set for like two years. You could just drive one, break it, you would drive think, another one, break you it. You would think that, but probably not. You'd probably get two to three months out of them. <laughs> I think you'd get about two years out of five cars. Your math does not check out. Two months out of a car times five cars is uh, ten months. All right. You could get two to six months out of a car. <laughs> okay. So you, you'd get some time out of it. All right. Anyway, shut your face. Answer the question. Uh, um, now, my thing is I would I would just hot rod my 78 Colt. All right. Because that's enough. already part of the plan. Um, 4G63, naturally aspirated, ITBs. With a five-speed transmission and a solid heavy rear axle out of like a Toyota pickup. All right, that sounds cool. Yep, I would. Um, I'd finish my Talon. Yeah, hundred percent. Five grand go a long way in that car. Yeah, because it's almost all there. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely finish that. So obviously, true to form, we'd have two four G six three cars. Yep. However, one longitudinal, naturally aspirated, lightweight rear-wheel drive, and one. Dumb horsepower, all-wheel drive, sideways mounted. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Um, Yeti Overland. How do I keep myself sane while my truck is at Toyota for the next one to three months for a warranty frame replacement? They're still doing that? Yeah. His truck isn't even that old. No, and apparently uh, I was talking to him. It was already inspected once, and it passed, and then it, it started rusting, so they're going to replace it. That's crazy town. Yeah, well, I remember when I was over... Maybe you should go get some New Hampshire oil undercoating on this new one. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> when I was at uh, Audi, they were next door to Toyota, and there's always frames stacked outside, brand new ones. Rusting outside? Yeah, well, no, right. like, apparently the brand new ones are... They do some... But, like, I, it's like some ridiculous amount of hours. Like, you got to pull the whole body off, that's obviously. a lot of work. Yeah. Every, every single bolt has to come off. I mean, not of each individual part, but, like, everything that's bolted to this frame has to come off. No, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of work. It's so basically, it's like they're doing a frame off restoration on every one of these trucks. Oh my God, it's crazy. I can't. Oh my, yeah, all the money they're spending on these, and obviously they have to do it because it's a customer service thing and it's a safety issue. Why don't they just and buy them back and crush it just them? Must make more sense to fix them financially. They were doing that option for a while. I don't know if they still are or not. Wow. I know our friend Scott got his. Like beat up old truck that was probably worth like four grand, and they gave him like fifteen for it because it was. And on the I think the program. I think the frame rot issue went on like a couple generations of these too. It started in like ninety five. Yeah, and Yeti Overland trucks like what was that like an 08? I don't know. I don't know the exact year. I know it's newer though. It's not like a nineties truck. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I uh, man, I don't know what you get. I think I think I started with a rental car like a Chevy pickup truck like. I don't know what to do, man. Like, <laughs> go off roading with it. Well, it's a rental. I don't. 
take the extra insurance and go off-roading <laughs> with it. Again, these ideas are not endorsed by Autotopic Podcasts. <laughs> Opinions expressed here within are not good ideas. Um, I don't know. I, I would honestly, I would just keep trading out rental cars. Yeah, just to keep oh. it interesting. You know, yeah, say, get, see get, what... get a Camaro, get a Mustang, get a Challenger. Yeah, if you can do without a pickup truck, like yeah. you don't need. If they only gave you a pickup truck because you had a pickup truck, but they'll let you rent like other different stuff. Yeah, just run through the gamut. I mean, not that you're going to get anything super exciting because they're all rental cars. And they're all going to be automatics, but yeah. you can you can get a V8 Mustang. You can get a V8 Challenger. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool to just beat around in for a little while. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's probably what I would try to do. I don't know. That's I, I can't think of any other way other than get another car-related hobby, like build model cars. Yeah. <laughs> Start your own automotive podcast. Yes. <laughs> like, just do something else with cars. Come over and hang out and work on our cars with us. Like, yeah. Just do something. I don't know. All right. So the second and final question from Yeti Overland. Uh, also, when does the auto off topic Narragansett collaboration beer come out? I feel we must have over-talked Narragansett in the past. It will never happen. They are way too big of a company. We'd more likely have a collaboration with uh, our beer tonight, Bentwater, because the next door in Lynn. <laughs> but uh, there's no way saying we're having that. Just some local beer, probably. That actually be kind of cool. It would be kind of cool. Like we did hear about that. Our friend, our friend of the show, sent the link to the Montero beer. Yes. Which is kind of interesting. Uh, I've got, I've got people looking for it for us. Yeah, so. I've heard that from a couple yeah. friends of ours. Yeah, it's a Texas brew. Yeah. And it's a picture of a Montero Sport yeah, on the we, can of beer. We have some people who are heavily involved in beer trading. Yes. Who are working on it. Top top people working on it. Yes. Yes. Very, very, very important things happening here. So I think we'll call that a podcast. Uh, is it an excellent length episode? Excellent length. Excellent length. Most best length. Most best length. <laughs> the very best, guys. Best. Nothing but the best. Best motoring length podcast. Uh so if you like the podcast, please go on Facebook, like our page, and then, of course, set to see updates first. That way you'll see posts like this, and you can ask us questions. Uh, otherwise, um, you can like us on Facebook, on, uh, sorry, on Instagram. That'd be uh, Auto Off Topic on Instagram. It's Auto Off Topic Podcast on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram, Race and Anger. Brad, where can people find you? Uh, find me on my personal Instagram, TSISS350, on the business page for Vintage Imports of New England, which is Vintage Imports New England on Instagram. Are you sure? Nope. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> vintage, vintage Imports something. Just search it and it'll come up. <laughs> what a horrible, horrible hype man I would be. <laughs> so please rate and review us on iTunes and, of course, share with your friends. Thanks for listening. I'm too and... old for social media. That's all it is. <laughs> I don't know what to do anymore. Oh, man. Get you off there. Keep your cars analog.